Welcome to Home But Not Alone with Tim and Sarah, where we talk about real life as a stay-at-home Catholic parent. If it's noon and you're still in your pajamas, have reheated your coffee three times, and tried to pray but got distracted, this is the place for you. Life is crazy, but through it all, remember, you're never alone. You've got God's grace and our friendship coming your way. Today on Home But Not Alone, Tim's going to tell us all about his trip to the Holy Land. I'm very excited about this because I've never been on pilgrimage to the Holy Land or anywhere else. So, hey, Tim, I can't wait to hear all about this. Hey, Sarah. So, yeah, this is this is really cool. Um, I've been thinking about doing this as an episode for a while. I went on pilgrimage to the Holy Land. Gosh, it was already, it's been 10 years. It was back in 2009, and I would love to go again. Uh, it's an experience that it, it had a big impact on my life, and I, I think it has a big impact on a lot of people who experience that. And I, I know not everybody can, but I do encourage people that if they ever do have the opportunity, it, it really is a... A great thing to do. Uh, a couple of a couple of challenges going into this that I didn't know. I want to talk about these first. Is that uh, I had to make sure that it wasn't a vacation uh, because there are a lot of people there who are there as tourists or who are there, you know, just the obviously there's a lot of people who live there. So at times it can feel vacationy, touristy. There are a lot of people trying to sell you things oh, yeah. because obviously you don't pop into the Holy Land every day. So, oh, this is an opportunity to get uh, this sort of souvenir or this sort of idea thing that whatever that I won't normally get. So you have to see through all the tourist stuff. Um, and I I went uh, I went during a spring break in college, actually. And uh, it's funny. Some people, a lot of people, well, I'm going to go to Florida for spring break. I was like, I'm going to go to the place Jesus was. <laughs> like it was, it was a very That's it, a good spring break. It was. It was a, a great spring break. And a lot of people, it's it's odd to a lot of people, I'm sure. But the the school I was at at the time, the university I was at, they, they had these trips every year that you could go on. And it just so happened that by the time I had saved up enough money after several years, this was the one that was coming up. And so I signed on uh, without, you know, having a whole lot in mind. I was starting to grow in my faith, um, in part because I had, I had met a girl who was into her faith. And I was like, oh, she likes Jesus. Maybe I should like Jesus. And um, we actually signed up to go to this. And then we broke up before we went. And then we still oh, went together. But it wasn't awkward. Um, oh. It was awkward, but it wasn't It wasn't like, oh, this is my ex awkward. It was just like, oh, hey, your mom is also on the trip. Like it was very <laughs> Because family members were also allowed to sign up for these because right. they were, it was hard to get people to go. Um, but uh, no, some great people. And uh, we had a couple of Methodists were there. So it wasn't all Catholics. Oh. I don't know everybody's faith background, but it was a, a wide variety. Some were not particularly religious. Uh, one young woman at one point tried to uh, convince me that uh, the Da Vinci Code was a way of uh, belief. And I said, no, 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 oh. the author the author said this is fictional. And she's like, well, that may be your opinion. I'm like, no, 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 he wrote that. <laughs> it's the author's opinion. He, he wrote said, it. <laughs> I, I made this up. This is fictional. And she's like, oh. well, you know, some of us. And I was like, whatever. Oh. Um, and there was at least one, uh, one Jewish young man who was a student and who was a friend of mine. 
And actually, it was great because every night we'd, after going to these different sites, we'd come back to our rooms, and he and I would be like, okay, what was the religious significance from your spiritual heritage about what we saw about X or Y wow. or whatever it was? So we kind of got to get really into each other's faith um, and get that perspective that we wouldn't necessarily get without yeah. the other guy. So um, that's something that was just, that was fantastic. Really cool, so, yeah. Yeah, so... That was uh, that was something going into it that uh, I wasn't necessarily prepared for, that all of these different things, it wasn't just, hey, here is a Catholic group, and we are all Catholic, and we all love Jesus, and we're all going to be blown away by this, uh, because there are... So was the leader to- Catholic? Did you go, like, with a, a priest or something? We had a guide who was uh, the the campus the director of campus ministry. She was Catholic. Oh, okay. Um, and then the uh, and so she was kind of in charge of the trip logistically. And okay. then our guide, who was from the U.S. but lives in Israel right now, is a religious brother. Okay. Um, I think he was a Franciscan brother. I'm trying to remember. Um, yeah, he was kind of a goofy guy, but he was he was a, he was very knowledgeable, and so that helped a lot. Um, but, uh, another a mistake I made was this was not only, um, my first international trip. It was my first time on a plane. Oh boy. So I flew from St. Louis to New Jersey, switched planes and <laughs> flew to Tel Aviv. And, and I, uh, I did not understand what, uh, what all that, uh, what do you call that when you haven't, when you fly and your sleep is off? What's it? Uh, oh, uh, jet lag or something? Jet lag. Yes. I don't fly very often at all. Well, ever. <laughs> but that was uh, that's not a that's not a great first flight because. But were you traveling all together? We were. We were traveling okay. all together. Well, at least you um, had that. Yes. Um, and so it was nice because we were sitting. In fact, we were on a plane from St. Louis to Jersey, and somebody was like, "Can we all switch seats?" Somebody in another group because the kids wanted to sit with the parents. <laughs> and this young nineteen-year-old says, "Actually, these two adults, me and this other young woman, this is their first time flying." And the parents of these little kids go, "Oh, our kids fly all the time. They can sit by themselves." Okay, so, good. <laughs> like, anyway, so the travel itself is something that I was not prepared for yeah. um, in general. And, and so, and also I got my passport and I was clean shaven and then I grew a beard and then customs stopped me and they were security or whoever it was. And oh. I, I almost didn't get into Israel oh. because <laughs> I looked slightly different than my passport. So <laughs> lesson learned. Um, but I also, I was expecting this overwhelming spiritual experience and that was a mistake. Oh. Uh, there was a, a Saturday Night Live sketch last year where Adam Sandler played a, uh, a a tour guide. And in it, he says, you know, if you are sad at home, you will still be the same sad person in Italy or wherever it is. It's like you're not going on vacation doesn't change who you are. Huh. And I wish I'd seen that in advance because part of me expected to walk through these places and then just have this like overwhelming like Oh my gosh, I'm now so filled with the Holy Spirit, but that was right. that's that was the wrong expectation. Okay. So, so going into it with if you ever go on pilgrimage, you have to I go on to. with a with a an expectation of, you know, I'm going to experience these things, but it, it may not be in the way I expect. 
Um, or it, it may be, uh, it, it may, yeah, it may just seem almost kind of, I don't want to say mundane, but just basic, just this is what everyday life is like. We were walking through the, sure. the old city of, uh, Jerusalem and kids were running alongside us on their way to school. I mean, it wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't anything that we wouldn't see in a, in a big city here. So there wasn't like um, Gregorian chant, like wafting through the air and exactly. like incense just like popping up out of nowhere. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And for some reason, I, I I don't know, I've spent my entire life or up until then, I'd spent my entire life reading about the Holy Land. Yeah, right. And what for some reason, what slipped my mind was it's the 21st century. You know, it. Right. Yes. Some of the buildings are still there. Some of the this is still there and that and whatever it is, the traditions and whatnot. But it's still 21st century Israel and Palestine. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not how I had pictured it. So. Uh, and oh, the weather was beautiful. I just, you know, you pictured a desert or something. Oh, it was gorgeous. Oh, no, that's what I'm picturing. It was not like a desert. No, it was it was like nice spring weather. We were there in March, oh. and it was like, oh, this is fantastic. This was, you know, it was very comfortable. Very um, nice. Uh, so one of the one of the first things I have to talk about though, is visiting the tomb of our blessed Lord. So. We were told, this is why I say, oh, that tour guide, he was, he was so well-intentioned. He told us after the fact, he was like, oh, you guys were real tired, so I let you sleep. I figured you'd want that instead of getting up at, at 5 a.m. We could have, uh, we would have had mass in the tomb. Oh! <laughs> every one of us, regardless of our faith background, we're like, you have got to be kidding me. I will that slap you right the- now. <laughs> oh, gosh, that would have been the coolest experience heck, ever. I, Aww, I be- that's a bummer. I believe the non-Christians had the loudest reaction. <laughs> I thought, right. see, that's that shows you. That shows you right. how awesome this is. Yeah. And uh, so we didn't get that opportunity, unfortunately. But what's interesting is you know, there's a line outside of the tomb itself. And um, you can look up pictures of this. It's it's in the, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, because they mm-hmm. built a church around where the tomb is and where the crucifixion happened. So you can actually go up right up to where the crucifixion happened and reach under this altar and touch some rocks. I don't know if those are the those giant stones are really the ones that were These two it. things are inside the same church? Same church. They're the, close enough together to be inside one church. The tomb, the and, tomb the, and the spot of the crucifixion. And the spot of the crucifixion are in the same church. Is the church like this, huge? I mean, it's I, you think cathedral, but it's not. Uh, it's it's not ginormous. I mean, it's 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 hmm. pretty big, but it's not so big that you would be like, oh my gosh, yes, obviously this is a huge distance apart. Yeah, because no, they, I always kind of imagined it to be like a pretty big distance from the crucifixion to the place where Jesus was laid. But that's that's amazing to me that they're inside the same church. Yes, they are. And they're actually, uh, even within the church itself, they're fairly close to one another. Uh-huh. Um, and of course, in between them, or, you know, sort of in between them, there is a large stone, and that is the spot where Christ was laid after he was brought down from the tomb and his body was anointed with oils and such and, oh, wow. and cleaned up. Now, that being said, there are people who walk in and they touch that stone and they're, oh, this is the actual stone. No, we were told that people have been pouring oil and stuff on that for 2,000 years, so it breaks every now and then, and they've oh. had to replace it over the years. But it's still the spot. So right. in, in one church, you can visit where the crucifixion happened. You can visit where um, Christ was laid 
to have his body cleaned up and, and spread oils on him and whatever after he died, after he was taken out from the cross. And then you can wait in line and walk in through this tiny opening you have to duck through. And you go into this tiny little room. And then once you go through that tiny little room that two or three people can barely fit in, you duck through a door and go into another tinier room. And about five people at most can kneel down at the same time next to the slab where Christ's body was laid. Wow. And so that is where we got to be. And it's amazing because outside the tomb, there's a lot of people and there's a long line. And it's like, it kind of feels like you're at Disney World and a lot of noise. (laughs) long line and chaos and then you go into the tomb and there is just this peace there is just this silent peace and you don't want to leave and i will say this i walked out of that tomb and that probably was the spiritual experience the closest that i i that was the closest to the spiritual experience i had been hoping for yeah was to enter into christ's tomb myself pray for just a couple of minutes not even that even maybe it's very brief because they got right. you're they gonna get everything pretty through there right yep wow and then to walk back out myself and it's just it's mind-blowing and that church itself which has been there for a long time um it's actually there are different like religious orders that have claims to different sections of it so it's kind of shared hmm. and if i remember correctly the doors to the church the outer doors the keys are actually held by a Muslim family and have been held by them for a few hundred years. And every morning they come and they unlock the doors to this church. And then every night they come back and they lock the doors to this church. But I, wow. it is a fantastic, I don't know, it's just, it's amazing because you have some Eastern Orthodox claim to right. parts of the church. Um and actually, there's a ladder on the, the outside of the church, and it's been there for a few hundred years, and there, no one's allowed to move it because there's confusion about who put it there and then who, uh, who, uh, who has claim to which part of which. So the ladder just stays there as a, as a nobody wants to disrupt. So really? this ladder is like, like a hundred and some odd years old, and it's just there. <laughs> or whatever it is. I'm like, <laughs> that's crazy. That's going to fall someday, yeah, but okay. Someday. <laughs> so anyway. But that seems like a lot of respect, like among, you know, different beliefs and faith systems. If everybody's, you know, like nobody just stepped in there and moved the ladder, right? Like it, it seems like, it, is it like a respectful kind of thing? It is. And it's also a wanting to maintain the delicate balance of, yeah. okay, we've we've kind of drawn our lines a little bit and, and nobody wants to cross them because if I cross the line, then you're going to cross the line and you're going to, and whatever it is. So the fact that they've maintained this sort of peace, uh, this sort of accord with such a holy place is just wonderful because it could have gone so wrong. And it could any day, but it hasn't. I really think the Holy Spirit's doing something special to preserve that that holy ground. And actually, people, humanity's doing its part too, because we uh, there's there's a large yellow metal thing outside of there. And uh, the priest or brother, whatever he was, the guide, he explained to us that's a that's a bomb disposal unit. So if anybody ever tries to blow up this holy site, you can throw a bomb in there, and, oh my goodness. and it'll it'll contain it. So there's this practice. <laughs> Practical. Yeah, I had no well, idea. Good, what and was that was really good thinking. Us. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's move on to uh, so okay the the Western Wall. So the Western Wall of the Temple. Now the the Temple that was destroyed in seventy one A.D. or whatever it was. Uh, there's still one wall remaining from this great Temple, 
Now, a lot of people in the U.S. call it the Wailing Wall. Uh, that's not really the correct term. And I was there on Friday night, the beginning of the Jewish Sabbath, and I can tell you, wailing is the last thing they're doing. It is a celebration. There were people there of all different walks of life, you know, Orthodox, Reform, Conservative, Traditional, all these different as all these different Jewish backgrounds. And there were also tourists but and pilgrims, but they were all celebrating in their own capacity. And actually, this group of young men, it's like a fraternity, it felt like, they grabbed me and brought me into their dancing circle. And it was just a group of young Jewish men who were celebrating the Sabbath as they danced around. And I was I was like, okay, I'm, I'm yeah. doing this now. Cool. And then <laughs> after they finished, they were like, you got to come with us. We're going to go do this next. I'm like, ooh, I'm with my pilgrimage. Oh. And they're like, forget your pilgrimage. Come with us. And, <laughs> and I kind of regret it because I have no idea what adventures lay before me. Yeah, but like you don't just go off in the Holy Land. <laughs> I don't know. I get, you know what? <laughs> I don't want to regret it, but I kind of do. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, no, I wouldn't have wanted to get lost. And so, no, 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 uh, no. That wouldn't have been a smart idea. Uh, but no. there, are, there are cracks in the wall, as with any wall, and it's a 2,000, 3,000-year-old wall, whatever it is. But this is what Christ would have seen, this wall. It's old. And it is tradition to write a prayer, to handwrite a prayer, and put it in the cracks in the wall. Now, I had to write it before arriving there, because since this was the Jewish Sabbath, it was prohibited from doing any writing at the wall because that was considered work. Oh. And so it depends on uh, where you are in Judaism. Some people go as far as saying on the Sabbath, they cannot tear toilet paper. So they have to tear off sections of toilet paper <laughs> in advance. I'm dead serious. I learned that from a rabbi wow. 10 years ago is that um, the that some people take it that seriously. But well, I mean, it's good to take it seriously because I don't think that we take the Sabbath, you know, or Sunday rest, I should say. We don't really call it the Sabbath. I don't think that we take it nearly seriously enough. Oh, we I make agree. every excuse to do whatever work we feel like on, on Sunday. Oh, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. So I, I had to write a note in advance, a prayer in advance, and I stuck it in the cracks in the wall. And couple weeks, a week or two after that, whatever it was, uh, it was Passover. And so at Passover, they take all of the prayers out of the wall, they burn them at uh, the celebration of Passover, and the smoke of the burning, uh, the burning prayers is sending them up to God. So it was really cool to be able to, to do that. And then to come home and be like, hey, it's Passover. Hey, the uh, Hey, they're burning my prayer and sending it up to God. You know, I don't know. It's just that was really cool. Um, just a, a few other things. So um, Mount of Olives, right next to the old city of Jerusalem, like right next to it. And the Garden of Gethsemane is on the Mount of Olives. And for some reason, I never put two and two together on that in reading scripture or just learning about Christian history or anything. Um, and in fact, there there's a tradition in Islam that says at the end of time, Jesus and Muhammad will return and walk on a tightrope from the Mount of Olives into the old city of Jerusalem. Well, here's how arrogant we are as humans. What? Some people put uh, in the, there are 12 gates to the old city of Jerusalem. And when I say gates, I mean giant stone entrances. And there are people who uh, put, who basically bricked up the entrance that Jesus and Muhammad are supposed to walk through because they think that, well, if that's, if they basically were like, well, that'll stop them. 
and <laughs> yeah, that'll like, stop them. Like, well, that 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 proves that uh, that proves that Islam is false because now how are they going to get through the wall? I'm like, oh come on! You think Jesus comes back even if he's even if he's not who we know he is as as Christians? You think somebody comes back from the dead? They're not going to be able to take down a brick wall? Like, come on! So there's a lot of absurdity yeah. in, in, in how we we treat that stuff, but. Um, no, it's really close to so the idea that Jesus would have been uh, captured in the Garden of Gethsemane and then taken to Jerusalem. That, if I remember correctly, that's like a twenty-minute walk. I mean, it's not far. It's it's not as if it was you know he was this great distance away. So right. um, I don't know. I think that that and other things related to the geography really help put into perspective what we're reading in sacred scripture, especially when it comes to Holy Week. Um, I think because we don't have, scripture doesn't have the the geographic descriptions in the way that we would by walking around with a GPS on our phone all the time nowadays. And most of the people who would have read the scripture early on would have understood, yeah, I know where that is. You know, oh yeah, my cousin's from there. You know, that sort of thing. So um, So they didn't necessarily even need to like explain it because they were living there so they wouldn't include those details yeah that's an important thing to understand about biblical history is there are things that were written that at the time everybody would be like yeah obviously right so we might sit here and say well why why didn't they include this detail well everybody everybody knew they wouldn't (laughs) they wouldn't have wasted their time with that that would have not helped with spreading the gospel So so you mentioned you didn't really have like the emotional experience that you were um expecting when you went but you know now that you've been there like you said now reading scripture after the fact um do you feel like it has this more long-term effect on your on your faith like changing the way that you read scripture and, and maybe things like that absolutely Absolutely, a hundred percent. Because I've I've been to the place now where, and here's the thing: I'm trying to remember exactly. There are places in Israel, and there are places in the Holy Land, I should say, both Israel and Palestine, where they say we are 99.99 percent sure this is where this happened. And there are other places where they're like, well, tradition says this, but we're not sure. It's a little tea tradition, and you know, whatever. Yeah. So I sometimes forget which applies to which particular site. But there, there was a site where they said, you know, tradition holds that this is where Jesus was held while he was awaiting, you know, essentially his trial, if you will. Yeah. And it's like, oh, my gosh, that's this is a real place right here. Or this is, uh, you know, sort of then to read that in Scripture, we sit there and say, well, this is, you know, okay, Christ was taken in. And it's like, yes, and I, I know what where he stood. You yeah. know, I know I know what he was essentially looking at. And it's. It gives me that that fuller picture. It it really helps yeah. to, to enlighten me to the the, the visuals and, and and all the sensory aspects of of what Christ was experiencing. So yeah, I really do think those sorts of things. Um, I, th- I think they make a they make a big difference in the long run. Um, let's see, what else was I going to talk about? Um, oh, Bethlehem. So a lot of people don't realize this. Bethlehem is actually currently in the Palestinian area. It's not like it's, you have to go through this giant uh, border wall with with checks. We had to, and this is very bizarre, it's like, let's go see where Jesus was born. Oh, we have to stop and let military people with, uh, you know, automatic weapons walk through our bus in order to make sure that we're all 
you know, who we say we are, Americans yeah. holding up our passports. It's like, this is very bizarre. So yeah. the, the realities of what's going on there today uh, really, I don't want to say in any way detract from the experience, because that's, that's not the case, but they certainly grounded in reality and what's really, really happening today and not just living in the fantasy world of, I think that's something we do wrong in, uh, in, in our faith regularly is we think about the ideal. We think about, oh, oh, then this is what, this is, oh, and everything's perfect. Like, oh, the saints never sinned and blah, blah, blah. No, the, the reality of our faith is that it is heavy. It is difficult. It is dirty. It is is something we got to get down in the mud and we got to fight, you know, spiritual warfare, all these different things. So that was an important reminder. But once we got there, we got to celebrate Mass just as a, a pilgrimage group of like a dozen or so people. And we got to do it right at the place where Jesus was born. Wow. And So you weren't like rushed through like you were at the um, at the tomb. Correct. We had uh, tourists around us. You know, they, they, were, they were rushing through. But we actually got to sit there and uh, it was I got to do one of the one of the scripture readings and for that and it was just to be sitting right there like this is they have it marked this is the spot where jesus was born and this is the spot where he was laid after he was born that's incredible it's just like it's so mind-blowing and looks and i know it's been 2000 now so did you do the mass was it the mass of the nativity at the i don't remember i think so I want to say yes, but again, it's been a long time and I didn't write that down. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's just, yeah, That's it was really cool. so mind blowing to just be there and to be like, this doesn't look anything like any nativity scene I've ever seen, you know, like it's, right. it's incredibly difficult. And I have some, a lot of my pictures haven't survived, but I have postcards that I'll take pictures of and we can put up uh, Ooh, so people yeah. can see them. But it's, uh, man, there were just, there's the, got to see where the Annunciation happened. We got to see the uh, the milk grotto where it, tradition tells us that Mary was breastfeeding Jesus and her milk spilled and the stone is now turned white. We got to go to the Dead never Sea. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, we got to go to the Dead Sea and it's, it's very weird floating in like a bath of salt water bordered by two different countries, you know, Israel and Jordan, and, and being surrounded by people who that's like, hey, I'm walking through the locker room to change. None of you are speaking English. Okay, you're speaking German. I can pick up on that. You're speaking, I have no idea. I want to say American. I don't know. I couldn't tell. But these people, they were all just speaking different languages. And a lot of people were just there like, we're having a good old swim. And then the mud, the mud in the in the Dead Sea is actually bottled and sold as a beauty treatment. It's Really? <laughs> yes, it is. You can probably find some online. I don't know. But Funny. it's um, because of the, the high salt content. Right. No, no plant or animal life can be there. But yeah, everybody was there. People were just like, we just lay back and float. And then we reach down, we scoop up the mud and we rub it all over ourselves. And it was it was just such a cool cultural experience to be surrounded by people from all over the world who were all thinking the same thing. Hey, I can float. And this mud is making me pretty. Like that was, it was just a really cool thing. I don't know why. Um, but uh, yeah, let's see. We uh, we got to spend some time at the Sea of Galilee um, and got to have some delicious fish that they call St. Peter's fish. And it's 
you know, it's nothing special. It's just delicious fish. Although it's the only time I've ever eaten fish with the eyes still on it. Uh, but the, yeah, I don't, have you ever done that? Have you ever had a fish where you look at with the? No, I don't think at, I could eat that. No, don't do it. It's, it's gross. Um, but actually, one of the cool things we got to see was Nazareth. So we talk about Nazareth, you know, all the time. Oh, and it's Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, that's where Jesus was from. Nazareth is tiny. It's like a football field or smaller was the entire town. Probably half a no football way. Field. Oh, my gosh. Now it's a huge city. It was tiny. There was nobody there. It was a I mean, I heard it was tiny, but that's really tiny. We're standing there and they're like, OK, see where we are? That's where the edge of ancient, ancient Nazareth was. And I'm like, right there. Like it was a little, almost nothing. And I thought, no wonder Jesus had to go to Jerusalem to spread the, the gospel, spread the yeah, good word, right. I suppose. Because he was, uh, it was just a, his, <laughs> uh, those are just so many of these things that just really, really struck me that while, that uh, while we were there, that the idea of the reality, that's what yeah. kept coming back to me. The reality of Christ being here, the impact, the people who knew him. We got to see St. Peter's house, the little that there was left. And, you know, the fact that they that house was only a few feet from a, a Jewish temple or synagogue or something. And so, yeah, I mean, it must have been 20 feet from one. So they were having, uh, they would, would have been having mass at uh, St. Peter's house, just a few feet away from where, where the Jewish wow. celebrations were going on. And it's like, oh my gosh, and the idea that so many of these Christians had to be secretive early on, and the, the freedom we have to just be so open with our faith. Yes. And, the uh, yes. it's it's just amazing to me the, the fact that so much of this history, so many of these iconic places, so many of these places that, that Christ was, that Christ, you know, had an impact. Oh man, that they have survived, they have been preserved. The people have built up, you know, essentially cathedrals around them to protect them. And oh, it is, it really, it still has an impact on me on me to this day. So. That's incredible. I hope I get to go someday. Have you been on any other pilgrimages? No, I really want to go on a bunch though. That's that's one of the challenges with having kids. Is yeah. <laughs> my time and money is focused on them. And I know. I said to Chad sometime, I, was, I said, maybe we should take our kids on pilgrimage sometime instead of taking them on vacation. And Chad was like, we don't take them anywhere. <laughs> like, like, you know, I don't even like, like putting them in the car and like I don't know driving a couple states away to go to the beach or something he's like and you think we're gonna go get on a plane with our kids and go on pilgrimage but you know someday we'll have our day maybe we'll we'll see you know maybe maybe we'll be in our 60s and right. we'll, all, uh, we'll all go on pilgrimage that's <gasps> but yeah oh and we got to we got to walk the uh, via Dolorosa, the, uh, the 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 stations of the cross we got to actually walk where what is believed to be the path Christ walked. How long to, is it? Uh, it's not. I don't remember, but it's not very long. It, I mean, they, we walked slowly right? and it probably took us 15 minutes. And that was with a crowd walking slowly. I mean, so it's not, uh, it's not a great distance, but I, I've been thinking as I, as I look at some of the stations of the cross recently, walking that path and the buildings, some of which have been there quite a long time. It's not a long, it's not a wide street when you're walking down some of those streets. 
and those crowds trying to push in on Christ and him trying to carry this cross and the the soldiers pushing him forward. And it's like, I can't even begin to imagine the agony. And that, that, so all of these, all of these things really helped me to, to get a better understanding of what the experience was for Christ himself and what it was like for those who are around him. So I just want to thank everybody for listening today. If you could subscribe to this podcast, comment, or leave a comment, share this podcast, follow us on social media, whatever you can do. We appreciate it. Sarah, where can people find you? To JesusSincerely.com and on Facebook and Instagram at To Jesus Sincerely. And you can find me at ChasteLove.org and at the TheChasteLove on social media. Now, if you ever want to know where your toddler is, Sweep something into a pile. No matter where they are, they'll run right through it. And remember, you're never alone.